Yeah, I kind of know that the emergence of the Delta variant kind of changed the kind of summer we were all hoping to have. But there's going to be others down the road. And I'm kind of happy that we, we're going to be able to use United for the next one. <laughs> how do you mean? Well, I mean, that's how it's worked. It's not the, like we're not doing this based off of the Greek alphabet. We're doing it based off like bad airlines. Uh, okay. It took me a minute, but I got there. <laughs> uh, United really is the worst. I, 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 and I joke cause I actually like Delta, but, um, and I, I don't know if we talked about this on another episode, but, um, on an earnings call, their CEO, um, mentioned, uh, internally, we just call it the variant. You know, we don't call it Delta, but yeah, United's bad. <laughs> I don't have any, I don't have any firsthand experience cause I haven't flown anywhere in two years, but, um, yeah, let's, let's call the next one. Was, what's the next one? Mew? That's one of that's a variant of not concern, but a variant of interest. That's the one that Borba talked about this morning on the daily. Correct. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, you've you been just, just you just been sitting on that airline joke for a while. Is that why yeah. you use that as the intro? Yeah, I mean, I I don't oh. claim. I mean, people people should understand that the show is free. And sometimes you're going to get some stale jokes that have sat in my private Slack channel. Like there's, there's, there's some good stuff in here. Um, you know, if nothing happens between now and next week, there might be a, a dog related one. So uh, stay tuned. I mean, they have expiration dates. You can't just let them go bad. I mean, but, but that's one of the things that's like a, one of those capitalism uh, switch em ups where like the, the best buy BY, not BUY. Um, date on milk is not always accurate and those were that was just yet another avenue for marketing to get people to buy more stuff although it didn't you used to do something super wasteful with your espresso me wait i can't remember what that was wait how am i getting how am how am i getting attacked (laughs) i thought you have to go back and listen to the tape i I thought there was something where I thought you were like wasting beans or something somehow. I don't waste beans. I'd have, I'd have to go back and, and listen. I mean, I mean, no, no offense, but you're the one who I had to recommend a, a specialty brush for all the coffee you were discarding on your kitchen counter. Well, that's just because I just make a goddamn mess anytime I make an espresso. But well, yeah, but I feel that, like that's unavoidable. That makes you the wasteful one, not I. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I'm wasteful with coffee. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I can't remember what. Oh, you know, you know, you know what? It, I it's coming back to me now. It wasn't that you were wasting espresso; it's that you were discarding the pucks down your kitchen sink, and I think well, yeah. there was some uncertainty as to whether you were going to having to be calling the uh, plumber shortly. <laughs> well, uh, pandemic's been going on for a year and a half, and <laughs> I mean, it, because I did you never I, buy a knockbox? No, because I try to eliminate noise. And I feel like you can't use a knockbox without knocking it pretty hard. Well, yeah, there's you know no better way to eliminate noise in your home than having an espresso machine. Because espresso machines are really quiet. That's the thing where uh, the only wasteful part of my espresso situation is the fact that... Well, actually, you know, I think I... Because, and, and this is kudos to you, I came out ahead on my Breville Barista Express. Because if you remember, <laughs> you... You bullied me into getting one, and then mm-hmm. I bought it at the height of the market. No, I, I bought it when it was, I think, like the regular retail on the the BBE, as we call it in the Espresso subreddit. Sure. Um, 
is like six ninety nine, and I got it when it was slightly on sale for like five ninety nine at um, Bed Bath and Beyond. But then you used like a like a coupon or something that you technically weren't supposed to, but they let you anyway. Well, that that goes on to the um the like the only thing uh less uh, like the only less charitable use of the acronym or like the the suffix plus other than my my website Carlos Plus is uh Beyond Plus, mm-hmm. which is uh Bed Bath and Beyond's Amazon Prime like their loyalty tool or whatever that costs you thirty dollars a year to get twenty percent off everything except they have much like the um. Those postcards. I don't know. Do they still mail those out? Like the the blue, golden tickets. Uh, you know what I'm talking about I, I, the, the coupons. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I guess they do. Although, come to think of it, I haven't seen one in a while. Maybe I just don't shop there enough. Well, I think it's also because they they target people who move a lot. So if you've been at your current residence for a while, they they think that you're all you're all set. All set. Yeah. But yeah, but you had had been like, hey, well, just just ask, like, if you not that you could retroactively apply it. Like, I think there was a thing where it went on further sale, and then I was, and then they also realized noticed that I had that Beyond Plus thing. So somehow, that like six hundred dollar purchase became retroactively like four thirty, and then when I got um, caught with like the upgrade itis and got my fancy espresso machine. Um, I was able to sell the Breeze Express for four fifty on eBay or on what's what's the what's the, what's in life eBay, Craigslist. Mm. Um, and that was when it was like toilet paper was hard to find, well, and this that was Revel in, Barista Express machine was hard to find, right? Well, kind of. So this, I think, I sold it in July, and I and I I I feel like it was a good deal for the person that bought it because I gave a lot of good life advice during our exchange. Like I explained everything that you're going to need to know as a beginner to not get frustrated with the process. So I think I feel like I saved that dude like six hours on YouTube and, and a lot of bad coffee. So I, I feel like he got a good deal. And that's why we started the show. So you could give me weekly life advice. Wait, what? Am I, I can't tell if I'm getting trolled or if that's if that's no, uh, no, not at no, no, it's, it's legit. It's legit. Uh, actually, that might come up later in the episode. <laughs> uh, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. But but. Oh wait. How'd this start? No. This was because you were uh, you were knocking my Profitech five hundred. Um. No. It's actually ex- that's the one thing about it is that it's super super quiet, and the um Eureka Specialita coffee grinder I have is actually insanely quiet as well, r- r- relatively speaking. So um. Yeah. That's the one thing about the Barista Express is that. The steam wand is absurdly loud, and actually every part of it's loud. But it's, the, it's the, very loud. Yeah. The one advantage that it has is that it it gets warm absurdly fast. Like it's ready to go. It's like it's not ideal to use it like after it's only been turned on for a minute. But you totally. But you can. can. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, jokes about United. Check. Yep. <laughs> um. Uh, you just did some travel. How's how's Orange County this time of year? Orange County is very nice this time of year. Yeah, um, third third time making that drive in the past basically three months. So kind of getting into getting into a groove with the the supercharger routine. All, always the five or sometimes the one hundred one. 
Uh, no, always the five when we're going to Orange County. Yeah. You know? And it's uh, on the way down, always Kettleman City. That's always stop number mm-hmm. one. Um, stop number two kind of varies. Um, you've got your Tahoe Ranch. That's a nice stop. Uh, uh, but can, can we... That's complicated. So, like, I, I used to have to make that... Like, a, a year ago, I was making that drive to Southern California a lot. And are you familiar with... So, which side... Is is Tahoe Ranch uh, um, a southbound thing or a northbound thing or both? But it's funny you ask that because they well, historically have only had a supercharger on the southbound side, which is the non-outlet side. Well, um, aren't they both outlets? Because because no, there's because the, the there's south... there's east and west Laval Road where you get an entirely different selection of funky restaurants and overpriced gas stations. Yeah, the the side the side on on the southbound side though, there's no no shops really. Plenty of like fast food restaurants, but no shops. But then on the northbound oh, side, you've got your whole yeah. big like outdoor. Your, yeah, and you, so yeah, historically there's only been a supercharger on that non-outlet side. But literally between the time that we drove down in July and the time that we drove down last week, they opened a supercharger on the other side as well. So. Which makes sense because it's near the outlets, which is like usually where superchargers are. <laughs> and that one <laughs> that one that's on the southbound side is relatively small and, and gets quite full frequently. So they, they could kind of use uh the, the additional capacity. All right. I'm not sure you intentionally did that, but uh the supercharger by the outlets is a really funny electricity joke. Oh, I, I didn't mean to do that. I wondered uh, why you laughed so much. Okay, um, yeah, and you also thank make, you. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty. Good. Well, we'll, um, well, yeah, we'll stitch that together in post. Make it sound like I I meant it. Yeah. Um. So we the side with the new supercharger is that the one that had the um, uh, the Nike outlet. Correct. Yeah, and the <laughs> the Lake Crusade outlet, which I, I I have no idea how a cookware store manages to have an entire outlet store dedicated to it. Yeah, they've got one of those um, in the Livermore outlets too. Yeah, um, to to hone well, actually for the for the Nike outlet at that point, you might as well just go to the very, 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 very depressing and under uh, visited Petaluma Premium outlets because nobody's ever there, and it's actually pretty close. And Livermore, Livermore, and Danville might as well be in 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 Utah. Well, that that Livermore outlet, it it gets it's too busy. Like we, we've been, I've been once where I had to park like in this auxiliary parking lot that you then had to take a shuttle to the outlets. Like it was, you know, I don't know, a mile and a half away or something. I think it was like on the is other it, side of the freeway. Is that where they stuff all the meetings, uh, the, the ideas that died in meetings? Yeah. <laughs> You're just in fuego. I feel like Tem- temperature gets hot. The, the jokes, the jokes get spicy. I'm overcompensating because our last episode was kind of a dud, and it was mostly my fault. <laughs> I can't, can't um, even remember back that far, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Livermore. Uh, yeah, so yeah, ask, me, ask me anything about uh, superchargers between the Bay Area and uh, Orange County. Well, the one thing I will say is that, um, yeah, the, the, with that commute, or with that uh bay area to southern california um commute thing yeah the the, the lifesavers for that were there was yeah the tahone ranch place um 
and there's also a very uh a very spacious um starbucks in a place called koalinga those those, those were the main like save points got it yeah so but again i i, I don't i are our starbucks is like open again oh yeah mm-hmm. like fully open like like to Hmm. Oh sure, yeah. You you can you you can and people do uh, drink a coffee inside in, inside of Starbucks, which you know. It, ever <sighs> since we started going back to them, which really was when we started doing these road trips at the beginning of the summer. Um, you know, I always do the mobile order thing, so I'm you mm. know I'm in and out in you know twenty five seconds. But wait, wait I, how are you having time to get coffee and a burger? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, all right um yeah i mean would do you but don't that that's the tricky part where uh I, actually i found during the pandemic is if you do the mobile ordering you still collect through the drive through which is which is funky sometimes oh i don't i don't even know if i've ever really looked for that option um whenever i've done the mobile order thing it's just been yeah you go into the store and they've got a little you know area that's near um, just the general pickup area where people are, you know, waiting for their coffee who ordered inside and you just, it's just kind of sitting there and you just grab it and go. Mm-hmm. And I, and I look around and I see people drinking their coffee inside at a Starbucks and, you know, God bless. You're not religious, are you? Uh, no, not, not particularly. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other, uh, commute follow-up or, or OC is nice and that's it. Um, just, I guess maybe one last supercharger note, um, big, big difference between the older superchargers and the newer ones in terms of charging speed. So, um, where this really came up on this last trip was on the way, the way back up, we always stop and get lunch at Harris Ranch and we'll usually pick up some steaks to, to bring home as well. It's a, that's a really, that's a great, great place to, to charge. But the problem that we ran into this time, and I think it's because it was so hot, it was like over 100 degrees, and that really can kind of negatively impact like charging performance. Mm-hmm. The so we, you know, we ate our lunch, and the car was plugged in, and it was it was charging like the slowest I've ever seen a supercharger charge. And so we were like, we were done eating. We didn't really need like a ton extra charge to to make it all the way back home. But I remembered that they opened a new um, station. I think it's p- pronounced Fireball, um, which yeah. is like I don't know ten miles north of Harris Ranch, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like a massive supercharger, and it's it's the you know super fast speeds. And so I'm like, well, let's just, let's just drive up there and and plug it in for a few minutes, and that's what we did, and it was great. Like we would have probably had to sit at Harris Ranch for like another forty-five minutes to to get the amount of charge that we got at this new station in like eight minutes. So that's that's a tricky thing about superchargers now is they're not. I mean they've they've always been sort of like uneven and unequal in terms of like the amenities that are around them. Like some are significantly better than others, but then now the other thing is the the charging speed can vary quite dramatically from from one supercharger to the next um and as far as i can tell there's no way like in your navigation system like it'll it'll recommend stops for you fairly intelligently but it it doesn't seem to give any sort of priority or preference to 
faster chargers, which maybe is something they should add. Although then maybe those chargers or become it's, too crowded. I mean, or it's designed that way. And not in a bad way, but like, just like what incentive would they have to make certain parts of their infrastructure underutilized by picky people? Well, I mean, it's not just that, though, because a lot of Teslas on the road don't support the faster charging speeds. Oh. Like any hmm. any Model S and Model X made before, I think, like the middle of last year doesn't doesn't support the the higher end charging speeds that the model 3 model y and the newer model s's and x's do um so yeah anyway that's a little little supercharger tip for you noted all right uh before we get into main business do you have a moment for a frivolous uh food and beverage pivot uh that's half of why we're here yeah Mm-hmm. Is is not still or sparkling related because there's there's a gap um, with that temporarily. Um, I I want to lean on your bartending side hustle. So oh yeah, ask me anything about superchargers. Ask me anything about booze. So I asked you this on, uh, online offline, but and it, it didn't necessarily get a satisfying answer because I because I didn't push hard enough. But I and you could just talk me through this of like what I would need to Google. But I'm trying to find a way. So basically, I'm trying. I'm recreating a cocktail that I've had at a couple of different places, but I've most recently had um, at Farmstead in St. Helena. Um, and it's a fairly, it's a gin-based cocktail, and it's fairly strong. But it generally the um, the ingredients would uh, pre-ice dilution gives you like a three and a half ounce cocktail. And I'm trying to figure out how to, and again, this is why I don't know how to put it into Google, how you would keep like i i want the overall strength of the drink to be the same but i want to make the um the liquid the liquid yield from it uh be like more like like five or six ounces is there anything you can do to not water down a cocktail but how how would you like I, i know like the math is very very simple for how you would like create two servings of a cocktail but like how would you if you want to keep the taste fairly similar dilute a cocktail so the number one thing with cocktails is proportions mm-hmm. everything everything is everything's ratios with cocktails so what mm-hmm. what's in this cocktail it's gin and what else so uh, th- th- thank you for asking uh cuz the one cuz there's an interesting part to this or maybe not but we'll see. Um, so it's two ounces of gin, uh, three quarters of an ounce of uh, freshly squeezed, aka uh, pure lemon from Safeway, uh, lemon juice, and a honey syrup, which I made yeah. for the first time, which is basically you just, it's like yeah, two, two parts honey. Yeah, yeah. yeah, two parts honey, one part water, depending on the kind of honey that you get. And then I. Uh, and, and it's an ounce of that, right? Uh, it's a half ounce of that. Okay, because you you so usually with a, a cocktail that's got a spirit, simple syrup, or any you know any kind of syrup and um, any kind of like citrus, usually you're looking at like a two to one to one ratio, and you're so you're you're close to that. You're making it mm-hmm. you're making it a little less sweet, which which is fine. 
Um, and I'm also and I'm also extremely averse to sugar. So that anytime I have see that there's a, like a lot of simple syrup, a syrup in something, I always get oh no. Yeah, that, that's usually like if I'm doing like a gin gimlet or something, following that same two to one to one thing. Like I'll, I'll usually short the um, lemon juice or whatever I'm using for the the citrus. Otherwise, it gets a little sweet. Um, wait, yeah, I mean that that's wait. Like you... I'll, I'll usually do like you know instead of a full ounce, I'll do something like you described, like three quarters of an ounce, something like that. Make it a little bit less sweet. But wait, what, what, but wouldn't isn't it the honey syrup or the simple syrup that's causing the sweetness, not the lemon juice? Um, well, I, I mean, fruit juice is sweet too, right? But lemon is lemon a fruit? Uh, yeah. <laughs> is it? Uh, it that's not a vegetable. Is, yeah. God damn it! Yeah. Um. um huh. Okay. Does, we'll, does lemon we'll, have sugar we'll, in it? We'll come back to that. No, but lemon doesn't have sugar. Sure it does. No. It, it, yeah, it all fruit does. Sugar. Wikipedia, this is fake news. Okay, command W. <laughs> um, so anyway, so two two to one to one, or you know, roughly two to one to one, according to your recipe here. Mm-hmm. It's it, it. You just you just would increase each of those ingredients proportional to one another if you wanted to be you know really scientific about Wait, it. Wait, ex- give me an example. Well, so you're basically making five-thirds of your original recipe if you want to make a five-ounce cocktail instead of a three. So you'd multiply no, no, all of your ingredients by five-thirds. No, that I get. Like, I know how to make more of it. What I want is for... to Because if you have a three-and-a-half-ounce cocktail, it's very easy to have two. And it's very, sometimes maybe... uh Yeah, it's difficult to be talked out of having a third. Because again, like, there's just very little... <laughs> <laughs> there's very... Like, what I want is to make a drink that is basically the same alcohol content but to be more sippable and for that to oh, for so like you want the same amount of booze in a five ounce drink exactly i like i know have in your th- and in your three ounce drink. yeah like I, I know how to like make two servings of something like i mean like that i totally get like i know how to like multiply the ratios what i'm trying to see is are there any like benign or like inert things you can add to a cocktail to make to kind of because i know ice naturally dilutes stuff but it doesn't do it enough no so you can make you can make a long cocktail Mm. so you you top it with um sparkling water that would be Mm. that would be you're you're speaking my language okay yeah that that, i mean that that would be probably the the best thing to do but then do you do that before or after because i feel like it you you just you top you top it but then it, it then wouldn't you to, you all top mix it together. In, yeah, you, you top it and then you lightly stir it, hmm. and then you've got you've got yourself a, a long cocktail. And I think I think that would mostly achieve what you're looking to achieve. Yeah. I mean, the you know the bubbles would obviously change, kind of change the dynamic of the drink, but it could be good. Okay, I'll take I'll take that under advisement. But I was I was, I was hoping for a silver bullet here, but well, I mean, you can't. It's not like you can't just add more of the honey syrup or the lemon juice because well, then you're i mean then you're really messing with the drink well yeah but but like this is the thing where i've been i've been doing some research on this apparently there's um ice dilution where like your your raw ingredients there are what i say uh two two ounces of gin three quarter ounce lemon juice and like half an ounce of your homemade honey syrup you're, you're the math guy is that three and a quarter ounces or three and three quarter ounces that's two it's that's like what uh three Three and a half, right? Uh, what's the two plus point seven five plus point or three three point two five? Yeah, yeah, okay. 
So, yeah, I've been doing the math, or like people are like, oh, like, yes, you're diluting the cocktail because in the shaker, which I feel like I also need shaker advice because I'm I'm kind of this oxo uh, shaker's a pain in the ass to clean. Um, yeah, like I'm t- I, I am diluting it with ice, and there's apparently like a um something in cocktail making where like single dilution is incredibly important and you can't like you can't twice dilute. I, I don't know i i'm not getting a lot of good information. i don't i don't have the basis of knowledge i need to know what i'm reading so no <sighs> well let me know and i still need the uh the recipe or i i need whatever i need to make uh the naked ape again so mm. you'll have to fill me in on that too I'll I'll put a um, I'll put a link in the notes and I'll send it to you as well. This was a a chef special a long time ago, right? Maybe not that long ago. Sometime a while back. Uh, if you're looking for a cocktail shaker, I cannot recommend this one enough. The Elevated Craft cocktail shaker. It's pricey, but it's fantastic. Well, I mean, I don't care about the price, but the the it's the I don't trust things going in the dishwasher. Oh no! I, I this is this has never this has never been in the dishwasher. I always hand wash this thing. But but also maybe I'm just being lazy. I I I'm not sure the the OXO one is that bad. Well, no the, but... the the directions the directions to this one say you know hey you can put this thing in the dishwasher but you know hand wash it if you can. But how much how much effort does it take to clean? It's it's stainless steel, so it's it's I, I mean I've. I've even been lazy and, you know, let it sit out overnight and it's, you know, you just rinse it the next morning and it's fine. Things come yeah. up, come, things come right off it. Okay. We'll see. Save over $27 when you buy two shakers. That's a very specific amount of money. <laughs> All right. Command W. All right. Um, what do we have in follow-up? Well, you've been really plugged into this whole Oakland A's situation, and I still don't really feel like I understand all the kind of ins and outs of it, like tax districts and all that. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean, quite follow all I, that. For me, mostly it's that I, I want them to leave. Like, I'm, or I don't want them to leave, but I feel like I don't have a whole lot to add here, but that they've done everything pretty much as right as they can. They aren't doing... Can you give me some, because I know you, you and Bill Simmons, or, or you by account of the fact that you listen to Bill Simmons when he talks, he's very much in the uh, camp of, he hates um, teams that try to put municipalities on the hook for financing their, their stadiums, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what are a couple of recent examples of kind of shady arena builds? Um, I know there've been a couple in the past five years, but I don't, it's just not jumping out at me. It's not jumping out at me either. But like but with this specific example of the A's wanting to build a nice waterfront stadium that it would be competitive with um uh Pac Belt Park um on the on the other side of the bay. Um they're they're trying to do everything right. They're 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 working affordable housing into it, they're working a office space, they're trying to attack this from like a neighborhood revitalization perspective. They're not asking for free um, government money to do this other than the fact that a, a, a part of their plan is that you gotta uh, fund the public transit and like transportation improvements that would be necessary to accommodate getting people to 
the stadium. And it feels like they're doing everything right and they're still getting a bunch of bullshit from Oakland. And I feel like Oakland doesn't necessarily like, have the right to be that picky. So I don't know. Like they already lost the Raiders. Like they, with COVID and a lot of stuff, Oakland as being the slightly cheaper Bay Area office space alternative, like that has fallen through. There have been many, many big corporate office projects that have fallen through recently. Like I just, I I am frustrated that this is receiving as much resistance as it has. And like, fuck it. If, if then if, if every Bay Area team is going to move to Las Vegas, then fine. I mean, I, I don't know. Like this, this is just, it's irritating. And I, uh, they're not like they're they're not playing hardball. They're they're doing everything as much up by the books and like in in as um progressive and responsible a way as a sports team can in this modern era. And I just kind of I'm just over it. So I, I I've been very much keyed into this, but there's a whole like there's an Oakland City Council uh angle from it. There's the I think it's the Alameda County Supervisors. Like there's a whole lot of stuff going on, and they're still trying to be like well don't don't go look elsewhere like say that you won't look elsewhere while we examine this and then uh major league baseball and the a's are like nah so anyway there was there was a good there was a reasonably good not super revealing interview but um in the chronicle um a week or two ago that you'll have in the show notes that's it's worth a read and that's sort of like the the specific issue right where there is an acknowledgement that some, you know, government is going to be responsible for funding, you know, public transit and other sort of necessary improvements and additions to the land around the stadium. But isn't the the issue is sort of exactly like who, right? Like, isn't it sort mm-hmm. of like, isn't there some dynamic between like the city of Oakland and then like the county mm-hmm. and them kind of divvying things up? Like, that's kind of, that's part of the issue well, or maybe and, it is and, the issue right and that's the tax district thing which again i i haven't actually looked at this in like a week and a half so like any anything i'm going to say here is probably wrong but that there's like multiple possible tax districts that would help fund this just because again the, the actual operations of the stadium and all the businesses that they would bring and all that kind of stuff like does ultimately bring money back into the city and the county but um i think the city's complaint is that they shouldn't have to create two unique tax districts to fund the i i i don't know but anyway like i ultimately i feel like like ace fans should be on board with this and i, and I just i don't know i don't have a whole ton to say here but it feel but it feels like this is this needlessly hostile when after the raiders leaving oakland could definitely deserve a win and Jacqueline Square's a up and coming good neighborhood like so it's like why not I don't know yeah it's gonna be weird for Oakland not to have any professional sports teams like that, <laughs> that, that, that that won't feel right it's sort of like um I, I know you like when I pull out some some NBA knowledge here Carlos um sure it's like when the you know the Supersonics left Seattle mm-hmm um it's just it's always been weird that seattle hasn't had an nba team like it just doesn't it just doesn't feel right like that's that's a city that should have an nba team and it Mm -hmm. it seems like is now 
on the right track for for getting a team but are they uh, yeah it's it's kind of all coming together where key arena um or it's it's uh i think it's called the climate climate pledge arena uh future home Um, of the seattle kraken right so they they're they're wrapping up the improvements on that and then you've got this nhl team coming in there so that it's all kind of getting set up uh to bring an nba team back so i I think in the next few years that'll that'll probably happen to use your lingo is this um a league expansion or would this be a relo from um uh i think it'll be an i think it'll be an expansion i i i i don't know if i don't know if i'm stealing this or if this was a thought i had who knows um (laughs) But I think it could be sort of like two two teams. So I think you put one in Vegas and then you put one in Seattle. You move some teams that are currently in the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference. Like the obvious examples would be like the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New Orleans Pelicans. Both of those teams are in the Western Conference, but could very easily be because of their geographical location in the Eastern Conference. Um, and then you you add Vegas and Seattle to the West, and there you go. Both of those teams could be entirely made up, and nobody would ever know. <laughs> um, the Pelicans, come on. You should have picked a more realistic animal. Um, very, very disturbing-looking mascot. Don't know if you ever looked up the New Orleans Pelican mascot. They, it, they've, they've toned him down a little bit, I think, over the years, similar to how like the, oh, Clipper, the Clippers kind that's of toned a, down the the condor that they they rolled a, out that's a menacing yeah like bill i think nope. they've i think they've softened him a little bit since maybe some of the photos you're looking at but yeah the original iteration of him was uh was kind of tough hmm. kind of like the jerseys though yeah no yeah, good good logo yeah well no bad logo i mean, I mean the, the, anything that has the actual pelican on it and the pelican's body is a is a basketball which is also kind of menacing <laughs> <laughs> anyway leaves more questions than answers mm-hmm. uh what were we talking about yeah so yeah anyway like oakland like i just just why like this anyway um yeah i think that is that uh other apple stuff it's good this unfortunately will probably be a, an apple heavy episode but apple has chosen to um delay their rollout of the controversial um child sexual abuse material scanning which was couched in between uh um a rollout of actually three unique features all of which were poorly um explained and also well i mean we we already kind of talked about it um also bad features overall um in a lot of ways where it um I, I don't know if if you believe, if you agreed with the slippery slope argument, but I am very much in the camp of um, yeah. Well, once once you've created this tool, it's not great. So even though much like the Patriot Act and many many other things, sure you say public safety, women, children, a lot of other stuff that ends up being a gateway to um, uh, bad things. So. Anyway, that, yeah, is, no, I think, that is I think when we originally talked about it on the show, I, I didn't dismiss it, but I think I maybe pushed back on it being a big deal. Um although in my defense, I think my primary point was that Apple already has way too much power. So this is just making a prob an existing Turns problem out. worse. Mm-hmm. Um 
But no, after listening to like 18 more hours of podcasts <laughs> on this on the topic after you and I talked, I, I have come around to the idea that, yeah, this this is actually a, a pretty big deal that I'm glad to see is now being delayed. It is being delayed until people. Well, but, but oh, so so two things. One, your joke about there being 18 hours of content. I think realistically, that is not an understatement. Oh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> um, And my frustration with this is that it is uh, being shelved only to protect device sales. And like January 2022, this is this will be back on the table and there's no hope that it sells by. So this is ultimately meaningless and it's kind of annoying and I dislike it tremendously. And it maybe for another less busy week, we will examine it further. But um, yeah. And then before we get into main business, um, I don't know if we talked about this when it originally happened, but uh, on the set of the final season of Better Call Saul, uh, Saul Goodman, uh, a.k.a. Bob Odenkirk, uh, suffered a heart attack. Um, but he has returned to work after like three or four weeks and uh, is in better health. And we wish him the best because mm -hmm. Better Call Saul is great. It is objectively better than Breaking Bad, and it's an awesome show. It's it's so good. I can't wait for it to come back. Mm -hmm. All right. So related to the travel stuff that we talked about earlier, um, skipped a week, and you are uh, recharged and refreshed, but watchless, apparently. <sighs> yeah. So at some point, over the last week, I, I really don't know how this happened. Like there, there were a couple of moments where this could have happened. Like I think, I think a door handle had sort of hit my wrist at one point, and then I had also set my watch down on one of the um, bedside tables in the hotel that was kind of this this glass top, um, maybe a little little hard. Um, but no nothing like obvious, but it, at some point during the last week, I looked down and there was a big like crack in the bottom right-hand corner of my Apple watch and it wasn't, you know, impacting anything. And it, it, and the, it really wasn't even like where there was much information on the screen. It re really was like in the, in the corner. Um, so kind of, kind of annoying, but I'm like, well, you know. New Apple Watch is coming out in a few weeks, so I I can live with this for a while. And um, got home over the weekend and um, went swimming, like you do. And you know, I, I had my Apple Watch on, like I like I always do. It's oh. you know meant to be waterproof, at least you know when the screen's not shattered, evidently. <laughs> and and like two minutes after getting into the pool, it got really, really, really hot. Like to the point where it left a little mark on my wrist. Um, the battery was at like 50%, but I looked down and like the, you know, hey, your battery is basically at zero warning came on. And it's just never turned on since. So mm -hmm. it seems like, you know, the, the crack in the in the screen that I somehow created kind of uh, broke whatever sort of, you know, waterproofing that the watch has. And then so when I took it into the pool, it just kind of fried itself. And it's kind of like, 
it's it's sort of like this weird timing because like if this would have happened you know a few months ago i mean the apple watch is is you know it's a, it's like a critical part of of the day to day and so i i would have just paid the $349 that it takes to fix an apple watch um a point of point of order yeah isn't that basically what a new apple watch costs pretty you, much you don't, yeah you don't, you don't you don't ever buy the you always buy the sport right yeah, but the the cellular sport models in the bigger screen size have gotten pretty expensive over the years. Oh. But you, you're but you're still you're not wrong that three forty nine is a lot of money. Well, yeah, the sport cellular is five thirty, right? For the forty four, something like that. Yeah. Do you use cellular? I do. Yeah, I use hmm. it a, a a decent amount. And and quick other point, and and not to not to victim blame, but you really didn't think that the waterproofing was compromised when the screen was cracked the crack didn't look that serious if i'm being totally mm. honest like it's like one it of those things where it looks like more like a deep scratch than a crack exactly mm. yeah okay yeah. um and it wasn't very big definitely noticeable but like not very big but yeah it wasn't like there's a big crack down the middle of the screen or something mm. um so yeah so i mean so i'm in this like weird spot where if this happens a few months ago i would have well i mean i don't know i would have either gotten it fixed or i don't know maybe bought like an se or something to like can... um until the new ones came out but like now you know can i give you a as... solution to your problem what's that i mean you shouldn't feel bad about you should feel bad about this if you're doing it to a different retailer but uh apple's, I know. I, apple's yeah i know what you're i know what you're gonna get out here I, I did think about that i mean apple apple's a terrible greedy company um, as we will talk about with the app store soon, um, even if the new Apple watch doesn't ship in time, I think you should feel zero guilt about, and again, I'm very sensitive to this with almost anybody else, but Apple's bad. You just buy another one and you have a 30 day return policy. Yeah, I, I know. I, I did think about that. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, Why? I, I would, I would feel bad. I'm a... I'm a textbook rule follower, so sure. I would I would feel bad about that. Does, but um, when do you exchanging it? Because because you you yeah you like the Series Six was currently the best product for you. You as an everyday consumer have no possible way of knowing that Apple's going to release new products because they're a very secretive organization, as I've been told. So <laughs> they, they they've doubled down on secrecy. I hear if a Series Seven happens to come out, that, I mean, as as a consumer who always wants the best, as Apple has trained you, that's something that you would probably want to exchange it for. I I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I I know. I've thought about that, but I'm I'm not going to do that. Mm. Um, so I basically that leaves me with just being watchless for I don't know the next three ish weeks, eight, maybe eight weeks. I mean, because German. Well, well, so well, so a few things. So yeah. one, if you're not wearing your Apple, like, have you just considered just like just like shriveling up? Like, what? Like, why would you? How how do you even get up in the morning if you know that your activity is not being tracked into digital points? So the only thing that's made this less painful than it than it could have otherwise been was I had I had a really good move streak going the the best one I've had in well over like a year and a half, and I had actually just broken that like a few days prior to this happening. But if they, if that streak was still going at the time that this happened, I I would have been very upset. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Last so. other point of rational, rationalization. Uh, special lady friend does not have an Apple Watch, right? <sighs> no, she does. But oh. it's like it's like a series. I think it's a series one. Well, it's no, series so, one or it's a series two. Well, so I guess that that'd be my point. Why? How about so if you if you feel guilt about the return thing, why not buy a forty millimeter series so, six and then she gets <laughs> in I four thought, weeks? So I thought about that too, mm-hmm. and that's that that's still a possibility. But the reason I didn't just go out and do that like yesterday is because the pricing on all these current watches is going to get dramatically reduced probably mm, starting on not, Tuesday. Not dramatically. Well, pretty pretty significantly, mm. likely. Wager? Um, I, hmm. uh, well, it's, it, to, to, some, so, to some extent. So I, it, it really, like, it, it does not make sense to buy an Apple Watch this week. And I, the, so the lady friend actually has, has kind of just recently gotten back into wearing her Apple Watch regularly, and she's totally happy with the one that she has. So she has really no desire for, like, the SE or anything else. So mm. I, I, I think I just kind of need to own up to my issue here and just suck it up and be without a watch for a while. Yeah. But well. it's it stinks. Like, it really, like, it's... Because, um, I mean, I've been wearing an Apple Watch every single day for... How long has the Apple Watch been out now? Six years? <laughs> Since you've been sending people your heartbeat. Um, <laughs> right. I think it was introduced 2016. 2016? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's weird. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that sucks, man. Um, honestly, what I, what I thought you, thought you were going to say was that you took it off to replace it with a fancy watch um, and then somehow lost it along the way. No, 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 no. I don't think I'd ever, I would ever lose an Apple Watch. Although I am, I'm kind of like on a, I'm on a bit of a streak now where like, I think it's like two of the last three iPhones I've shattered a screen. And then now I've broken an Apple Watch. Getting getting clumsy in my older years. When you're you're missing an opportunity to blame the kid. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I'm also like so with with my iPhone, it's it's not really been a problem because as an iPhone upgrade program member slash user, <laughs> you're forced um, to buy Apple Care. You're forced to buy Apple Care, so I just I've got it. Um, and I'm I'm kind of thinking I I I might do that with this next Apple Watch. Like, mm. and I I, I get the, I get the economics of like you know this is the first Apple Watch I've broken in six years, so like I'm still you know ahead of where I'd be if I had bought an Apple Care every year. Like I totally get that. But like so one of the things with the the Apple Watch Apple Care program is that if if you have a situation like I have, if you've got Apple Care, they just instantly give you a new watch on the spot. Um so I'm kind of thinking that it given how important the Apple Watch is to me and how much it stinks not having one right now, that I I might just start buying apple care so that i have you know i have that kind of in in my back pocket if i ever need it yeah we'll see if yeah okay all right i'm just i'm just sort of hoping that these washes aren't like six weeks back ordered the second they go on sale because that seems to be what some of the 
the rumors are pointing to now. That's that's because if it's only you know it's only going to be like a, like three weeks, that's fine. But yeah. if it's going to be you know four to eight weeks, that that kind of sucks. My source down in LA says uh, it'll be pretty backordered. <laughs> uh, German's a Lakers fan. Uh, yeah, he is. That's yeah. true. So another reason to maybe be skeptical about him. All right. Um, more about the fruit company. Uh, is there any? Let's let's okay. So uh, let's well let's let's promote this or um, bump this up. So uh, next Tuesday on the fourteenth, um, Apple is going to be having their fall iPhone event, which nothing is nothing else going on the fourteenth, right? Um, I mean. Which is just Apple's day. Well, I mean, we're supposed to be stopping the the Republican recall. Yes. Mm. Have, you, have you returned your ballot? Sorry, I, of, I need to be interesting people. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Can ooh, the quick quick sidebar. What's what's going to be the etiquette about the I voted sticker? Is that an on the fourteenth thing? Should I laminate that and wear it every day? What 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 are you supposed to do with with the I voted sticker on a re, on a on a frivolous unnecessary recall election? <laughs> um. Well, I guess we we wore ours here at the Fretwell household on election day last year. E- mm-hmm. You know, even though we returned our ballots, you know, some number of days ahead of time. So Yeah, it's actually good I point. guess I guess you wear it on election day, I suppose. Okay. Well, I'm sure Tim will be wearing his. Uh, <laughs> uh and yeah, there's gonna be a, there's gonna be an iPhone event uh the tagline um like i really man oh this, this is a topic for another another week but i i get frustrated with the, like with a lot of um the bloggers and podcasting folks in the apple ecosystem that have been up in arms about certain things apple's been doing recently but also get super starry-eyed the fact that like there's some ar easter egg in some like event invite uh, oh yeah, no, it's 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 insufferable. It's, it's it's one of the worst parts of yeah Apple media coverage. Like people, sure. people get people getting really mad about the thirty percent cut and the uh, and privacy implications and stuff. But they're like, ooh, uh, but the Lake of Monterey or some bullshit. Like, get out of here. But yeah, but uh, so that's all silly. But um, yeah, so the the event's gonna be ten or nine a.m. uh in the one true time zone. Um, and great. I I I I don't care this year about iPhones at all. The one interesting part, I guess, of of um, rumor. Well, actually, let's let's get on the record since we actually won't have another episode before this. Um, the rumors for the Apple Watch Series Seven is that it may be the first Apple Watch to break compatibility with existing watch bands because it is going to be a less like rounded, bulbous object. Which, for the most part, like they've gone edge-to-edge screen on it sort of um within recent generations but it's never actually taken like a big overhaul in design so i i've so i've got i've got a prediction to make sure there will be new bands that are only compatible with the new apple watch models going forward but that older watch bands will also continue to work I think that's going to be the the line drawn. I think you're incorrect, um, just because I don't know how that would work. Like, unless you're saying that Apple would say, 
hey, these work, but they're going to fit poorly. Because if they fit perfectly, then you can't really change the. Just like if you, if you, sorry, sorry, I accidentally unplugged my headphones. <laughs> you don't, 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 you don't have to edit it out. Don't worry about it. Um, but like, unless you're saying that Apple says like, hey, the old watch bands will work, but they fit poorly. And again, what I was about to say when I unplugged my headphones is I was looking at my own watch. I was be like, hey, it would just take the watch off your wrist. And that was not meant to be a pointed um, call out from the last segment. But yeah, the, the watch bands, like they have like a taper to them where I, if there's like a new, like more kind of like in the iPhone 12, like hard, like sharper edged design language i just can't see how that would work unless they would fit poorly and i just i don't think apple would do that like i don't think they care that much about um maintaining backwards compatibility to have that be the case so i i I would i would definitely uh take the over take the under which is the one that thinks that says i think i'm gonna win the bet (laughs) um yeah I, I, i don't think that would be the case but we shall see yeah i i think I think older watch bands will work. That would be my guess. Okay. All right. Um, And then, yeah. So again, probably likely only to be Apple Watch and iPhone. I think anybody who is hoping for a 27-inch iMac refresh or anything else is probably not going to be super AirPods. AirPods. Meh. Although I I kind of... We'll get the AirPods 3, um, which will be... You know, like the good AirPods that don't go all the way in your ears, but have some of the some of the features that AirPods Pro have, um, which I'm I'm very excited about. Not mm-hmm. only for those additional features, but also because my AirPod batteries last for about an hour and twenty minutes now, <laughs> which has been not ideal recently. Has some opportunity. Um, yeah, I'm coming around to the idea that AirPod Pros are terrible. Like I, mean, I don't know if my ears during the pandemic have changed shape, but they they do not stay in my ears, especially if I'm walking around outside. They 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 they, they lose their seal and they almost sometimes fall out. So yeah, even though it's, it's and this is a very shallow thing to say, even though they're uh, they're not going to be the highest end product, they would the AirPods three or whatever would probably be the right product because um, the pros are a bit of a dud. Um, yeah, I just I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that sort of in in ear design yeah any other event stuff or no um so we we said iphones apple watches airpods probably nothing else see well it seems like a new new ipad not ipad pro but like a new base ipad because the the existing model all of a sudden is like super backordered which is usually like a tall tale sign that I think the product's going to be replaced. Like I could see that. I think that might be, uh, and I hate that term that they keep using to try to distance themselves from their own supply chain issues of like the whole legacy nodes thing. Like that's, that's trash, but I think it's mostly that I, I, I'm not sure they care that much about the, cause the eighth gen 10.2 inch iPad is not that old. There, there have been rumors. What I feel like is more likely is there's been rumors about the iPad mini but I yeah. also, because that has not gotten, the iPad mini is a really weird product right now because it only comes in, it doesn't come in like a cheap version. It only comes in 128 gigs of storage and it's kind of absurdly expensive for what it is. And it's a product that has not been touched in a very long time. 
but I feel like that would also probably just get lumped into whatever the iMac 27-inch press briefing, like because the the 14-inch MacBook Pro and the somewhat more professional iMac are slated before the end of this year, right? Yeah, that'll be I think uh, October October event shipping probably like early November. Yeah, I feel like that's where the iPhone or the what's the thing? It's not the iPhone. The iPad might get stuck in. I don't know. Could be. Yeah, yeah. It could be. Um. Okay. Well, other than that, so it's been two weeks. Have we talked about the? Sorry to reframe this. There's been a lot of um groundbreaking shifts and cracks in the stranglehold that Apple has on the App Store um, that have come out of agile government legislation. So have we talked about the first one, which was the settlement that the... Um, there's a class action lawsuit that occurred inside the U.S. that caused Apple to create a small business developer fund of which 30% <laughs> goes to uh, uh, trial lawyers. Did we talk about that one or have we talked about none of this? We haven't talked about any of this. Okay. Well, this, this is complicated because a lot of this is going to be me complaining about the media and John Gruber, but uh, I, I, there've been two big and one minor story related to this. So yeah, so the first one was that I don't actually think this involved any government agency. I think this, well, like who, the, the U S based one who forced them to make the change. Can the court force a policy change? Well, I think in kind of both cases that we're talking about here, this this was a settlement, so there was no forcing. Like this was sort of like well, but they they would have to like offer like here's what we're gonna do. Does this go away? So who I guess who's the per arbiter of will we stop prosecuting? I guess I, I well I'm not just not a, a lawyer judge. Um, I I think so. Okay. Yeah, but I think the the like the other side of the lawsuit has to agree as well. Got it. Well, anyway, so yeah, so the for the first one, it is a it was a class action of developers that were complaining about. Um, honestly, what did they give up in the first lawsuit? It's 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 been so long that I honestly don't remember. They made it so that you could e- e- email your own customers, even though it doesn't actually actually necessarily mean that. I forget what it, what was the other tangible so, part about the yeah, first one. Yeah, so, so as part of as part of this first settlement, there was the um there, there were there so there were some promises made. So Apple promised to keep the uh, small business program that they announced what was that like the end of last year um in its current <laughs> structure for at least another three years which i feel like a lot of people hate the current structure so that's in the, in the, insofar as it's not generous enough so okay that's cool <laughs> um they promised also for three years to not in any way change the way that app store search works also a thing that people hate in its current form. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, and then there, there's there's the the um, change that you mentioned, which is that technically up to this point, 
developers have not been allowed to communicate with their customers about alternative payment methods that they 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 can use outside of the app. So if but, you were go ahead. With a massive caveat that this doesn't mean what people think it means in that you don't get like suddenly like you can go into iTunes Connect and or sorry App Store Connect now and pull like an email list to do like a blast of for people and be like hey actually it's it's cheaper if you do it on our website. You're not you, like it just there was like this weird unwritten rule on the App Store that you couldn't practically like reach out if you had somehow gotten their email address like another way. So it's not even that like you can just say like hey like we'll give you a 15% discount if you do this on our website directly. It's just that now there's not this vague rule that you are not allowed to email customers of whom their contact information they gave outside of the app somehow at some other point in time, which is weird. Right. But and I mean, also apparently was only even a loosely um, enforced rule just in the U.S. That's, I guess th this didn't even apply, I guess, outside the U.S. Yeah. Um, in, and in, I think the the last thing is there's like a hundred million dollar fund that Apple has set up where I guess if you're a developer who draws from this fund, like you basically promise to not pursue any additional legal action against Apple for you, these issues. You, you forfeit any right to sue for past wrongdoings yeah. or whatever right but i mean so the, this this is this is dumb for for a number of reasons because one this is the much more minor of all the stories that we'll, we'll we'll discuss so one like this is completely inconsequential the money is inconsequential 100 million dollars to apple is basically like the equivalent of 20 dollars to you or me where it's like it's just an amount of money that is kind of like if, like if you if you go to like goths or super duper and like your total 17 28 like that that's that's what 100 million dollars is to apple so it, it it means nothing it's a number that somehow gets you closer to making it sound like it's a real number but for a company of their size it it is entirely inconsequential but also and i guess is like the more meta point and i don't know if you've heard about like the alternate commentary where like there's been like a bunch of members of like the apple like podcaster press who's been super like oh a big tech was out to get apple and they like got like lucy with the with, uh, with the football like here where they thought it was a, a big change in the app store and it totally wasn't and apple won this argument like have you been hearing any of these stories mm -mm. like it's a big thing that uh, that john gruber and ben thompson have been on where like they're like big tech is always looking for stories to be anti-apple and that the, like they specifically called out the new york times and the in the washington post as having been people who reported on this initial settlement as being a big concession for Apple and like taking like a victory lap for Apple getting one over on the press, which I feel like is just like such a weird look of being like, so like in the bag for a specific company and like being like, yeah, sure. They're fucking developers all the time and, and they're like abusing their monopoly position, but at least the New York times didn't, get a good read on this one like it's it's it was it's been a very very weird story so like and that that goes to speak to like why this like initial part is actually not that interesting um as a settlement or uh like a policy differentiator but that the japan one 
actually is kind of like it's it's not like a, a, a absurdly seismic event that's going to turn the tide but it actually has some real teeth where this one for the most most part to to use um what's what's the claire malone phrase no, nothing burger is kind of what this first part is i so i don't follow the part on the um settlement with the japan fair trade commission how that's a a big deal i don't, I don't so we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that um so well, actually we'll, 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 right now it's like netflix there's no commercial breaks uh, <laughs> like so actually can you can you so I, d- I did a very bad job as summarizer in, in chief here so can you give me the rundown on what the japan um the jftc one is so this settlement involves reader apps which so is you a meaningless can, term <laughs> yeah so you, so you basically you think of these as apps that you use to essentially access other services so music apps so think of like spotify or think of video apps like um netflix um book apps like the kindle app etc um and the the idea here is that previous to or i mean up, up through today and, and whenever these changes are made as an app developer you cannot include any links within your app to say hey click here to sign up for a subscription to our service like directly through us instead of through apple and so as part of this settlement which evidently will go into effect sometime early next year because reasons i guess um developers will be allowed one link (laughs) and that one link inside of the app can allow users to set up or manage an account so still not to make individual purchases say like in the kindle app if you wanted to buy a book you you know amazon still can't provide links to do so directly with them it's only to kind of initially sign up or manage an account Mm -hmm. so yeah I'm, i'm curious why you think this is a big deal so people 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 can play back the tape. I didn't. I don't think I said it was a big deal. I think I said it was a bigger deal than. Well, but the, the bar. One. I mean, the bar was mm-hmm. extremely low. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like when Congress does anything in a bipartisan nature. That's like moving mountains. So, mm. um, thank hashtag, you, Mansion. Fuck him. <laughs> Now, Matt. Um, <laughs> okay, so the Japan thing. So the first one was nothing, and 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 that's the part where like these the, the these dumb PR. So hold on, newsroom.apple.com. Because the the part of this makes me so frustrated is that the press releases that they give are so so bad. So. Um, Let's see, because which which is the part with with Apple? Uh, yes, uh, 
Before the change goes into effect in early 2020, Apple will update its guidelines and review process to make sure that uh, users of our reader apps continue to have a safe experience on the App Store while in-app purchase through the Apple App Store remains the safest and most trusted payment methods for users. Apple will also help developers of reader apps protect users when they link them to an external website to make purchases. That sentence means nothing. Uh, quote, trust on the App Store is everything to us. The focus of the App Store is always to create a safe and secure experience for users while helping them find and use great apps on the devices they love, said Phil Schiller, Apple fellow who oversees the App Store. Like, please, uh, I will send you a link in Slack. Both of these press releases that they sent along with this are so disingenuous and, and bullshitly worded. I don't know if that's a term, but let's go with it it's the same thing where I don't think we ever actually talked about it, but they released like this, like white paper study, like about like why any type of regulation on the app store would cause like a lawless virus laden hellscape. If, if there were ever the ability to pay somewhere else or have an alternate app store or do side loading, even though I think we both probably agree that like, if Apple just got less greedy and just reduced their cut to 10%, we could all just like live a happy life with respect to the App Store. And all of the other alternatives, while not the end of the world, are actually probably worse for customers and for like the integrity of the iPhone overall. But the only reason we're talking about those things is because Apple refuses to take a dive on this ultimately relative to the scale of Apple as a company kind of small potatoes like it's just so frustrating and silly that they're forcing the hand and tempting fate on something that is while you can always make the comparison that oh if the app store was its own thing it would be a fortune 100 company or whatever but relative to the scale of apple the negative consequences and the potential to make the iphone a less compelling product overall based off trying to extract extra money out of this relatively unimportant part of the business is such a dumb strategy i just i i i i I can't even stand it but sorry going back to the japan thing the reason i think it's more of an important change like it's like it's it's an actual tangible change that has always been so silly where the netflix app literally has to have a thing that says uh, like a question mark button that says yeah we know you can't sign up in the app we know it's silly um, and it doesn't say anything beyond that. And there's even a button where you can call for help and somebody will be like, it'll, your phone will dial an 888 number and a very nice person on the phone will say, yeah, you want to sign up. You actually have to go to netflix.com. We can't tell you that in the app because reasons, but that's how you do it. So having a link on Netflix or Spotify to manage or start a subscription is something like i still think it's like the absolute bare fucking minimum but it's something but i guess to preempt your point is that it is not that consequential to apple's business because the companies that this frees up an avenue for are people who have already exited the app store for using an app purchase to do this part of their business because this type of thing was not available so i mean i Yes, I will proactively like say that 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 is a fair point, but I do think like the absurdly rigid app review rules that says like if you even 
allege or pretend that the internet exists and that there's a way to buy something that's not inside in-app purchase. I do think that's something. And I do think that this may be like the first domino maybe like that, that i guess that's that's my point is that this this could be the start of something maybe well and, and if it is then yeah history will look back and see this as a big deal but if this is sort of the only change that's made and then apple just says hey we fixed everything then you know as you would say i think this is a big nothing burger this this change in and of itself doesn't move the needle in any sort of meaningful way like any any major reader app already has means to get people to sign up for their service directly sure but they can stop playing the the dumb game of hoping people just figure out that you can sign up online. But I mean, but do you think that meaningfully changes the number of people who sign up for a service? Plus or minus 5%. Like I, I, I totally get your point, but it's, it's the absurdity of the stranglehold that Apple's had on the app store where any type of insinuation that a world outside the app store exists has been banned. I think that change is something. And I'm not trying to say out like the, and I, when I say it, it's something, I don't mean that that's kudos to Apple. I still think fuck Apple. Like, I mean, like I, I still think that the way they're running the app store is so dumb and greedy and ultimately bad for the company, as I talked about a few minutes ago. But I do think it's something where, like, does this fall? Is the term like anti-steering? Is or, or is or is, is that the government term, or is that Apple's term of making sure people don't go anywhere but the App Store? I, I either way, but like, it's to to slightly loosen up on the fact that there is commerce that can occur outside of the App Store is something, and I hope that the Japan thing and the South Korean thing emboldens u.s regulators because here's the one thing even though uh the u.s congress is uh horribly ineffective and not bipartisan and all all the stuff everything in the kitchen sink is what you could say about congress but i do think pretty much everybody for whatever made-up reasons they have to tell themselves hates big tech right now and if they can use this to motivate themselves to make meaningful change on this type of thing, it's worth it because this is what Tim wanted. And I hope they get everything that's coming to him. I don't know. Like I feel like it, if we can't get it together for infrastructure, I do think there's enough bipartisan rage at either anti-competitive, like even if you get like um, people who on the strength of the issues and an understanding of the fundamental, um, monopolistic undertones of this like the like the liz warrens or you have the stupid um marco rubio they're censoring conservatives even though it's not apple like i think there's enough i think you can get over 60 votes of people who dislike tech companies enough to to try to push this type of thing through so i don't know it makes me optimistic about potential regulation here even if it's worth for the customer 
Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah. And then the Korea thing, uh we don't we probably don't talk too much about this, but uh South Korea uh passed rather quickly a new law that uh requires and this was in for context, this was mostly an anti Google um law just because I think their market share is much much higher in um in South Korea than uh than the iOS market share. But um that they must allow uh, different payment processors for in-app purchases. And that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we'll see if this is a sign of change in, you know, larger markets. Um, and if it is, it could become a, a really, a really big deal. Mm-hmm. All right. You got anything else on apps, uh, Apple this week? I think we hit it all. All right. And then to round it out, what are your thoughts on the wire cutter going uh, paywalled outside of your existing time subscription to be, to be specific? Yeah. So I think that's sort of the, the maybe nuanced take, which is I'm not outraged that the times is deciding to move the wire cutter behind a paywall. Like in retrospect, that was probably inevitable, and it is a it's a service that I get a lot of value from, so I don't I don't mind the idea of it being paid for. Um, although there are then some questions around the roles that affiliate fees should continue to pay, but maybe we'll mm-hmm. get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the part that I just I just really don't like is being a time subscriber a long time time subscriber like i've been and still not getting access to the wire cutter and having it be this kind of nickel and dimey upcharge that's that's the part of it i don't care for we'll put a pin in this or like this is going to be a just a quick diversion but but i'm i'm very much there with you because i do you pay for the crossword or are you not a crossword guy i'm not a crossword guy so they charge you an extra seven dollars a month to have the crossword on top of your what used to be fifteen dollars a month for the Times Basic subscription, which is getting increased in price to seventeen dollars uh, later this year, um, and then this was the thing that used to be a bee in my bonnet for a while when they kept running ads for it on the daily. Uh, the New York Times cooking section is also an upcharge of I think five to seven dollars a month. So, if all like I I don't. Like I don't, I don't want my time subscription to be like Comcast, like where I have to select. Do you want HBO? Do you want Showtime? Do you want whatever Stars is? Like, I I get that the crossword is is valuable enough that they can charge separately for it, but I don't like all these other content silos being made to be something that you have to like pick and choose. Like it's like you're like you're getting a YouTube TV subscription. Like I, that's just it's kind of lame. Just make the times. $20 a month and then just give that. Like, I, I don't know. It's a bit, the wire cutter thing is they are going to have, what was the thing? It's, um, fairly liberal. Um, at launch readers will get nine free wire cutter articles a month before being asked to pay for a subscription on the 10th article. Only a small percentage of wire cutter readership reads more than 10. A small percentage read more than fifty. Eh, I mean, I don't know. It's it's 
I get that the wire cutter was an important acquisition and that it was um that's that it's worthwhile and they do provide a service. I mean, similarly, like people pay a lot of money for consumer reports and stuff. But I think you actually make a really, really good point, which is that then our use that is the time still gonna always have this kind of like where you have the question near the back of your head is no, how much is the fact that the thing that you selected has an easy way to get affiliate fees off of this whenever somebody buys something? Is that still going to be there if you're charging people $5 every four weeks? Because again, it's not monthly, because if you say every four weeks, that allows them to collect the money 13 times a year. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's, that is the other part of it, which is if this was an announcement that was made in conjunction with and were getting rid of our affiliate fee revenue, then sure. I could also then, I could even start to get behind this being an upcharge on top of an existing New York Times subscription. But it it doesn't sound like those affiliate fees are uh, going anywhere. Yeah. The one other thing about this, about the pricing that didn't make sense to me. So in, in the Wall Street Journal article, quote, those who already pay for the Times premium digital subscription or home delivery will continue to get unlimited access to the wire cutter with no change in subscription price. But when this rolled out, I went to go like to the manage my subscription part of the page and there are no other things that you can pay I, for. Like there is I've, no premium. I've, I've, so as we've been talking, I've literally been trying to find some page. It's got like a little matrix that shows you like yeah, the differences just between. Yeah. Like I, you, you can, you can bolt on the crossword and you can bolt on times cooking for five or $7 a month or whatever. But there is no. So are you basically just saying, oh, yes, I can get the wire cutter if I get a bunch of dead trees to my house? Is that it? Sorry, I'm not as mad as this, my voice makes me sound. But like, I mean, that, that that's 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 dumb. So again, make a make a premium times thing that's that's twenty or twenty two dollars, like what whatever. But st- stop, no, these are these are not channels. Mm. New York, New York Times All Access. Del- Is that what it's called? New York Times All Access. Wasn't that the name of the, of the, the CBS streaming service? <laughs> I think it was, yeah. Upgrade your subscription and get more from the Times. Okay, I think may- maybe I've maybe I've found the link. We're sorry, but we're having technical issues right now. I've, I've, I ran, in, ran into that too um but i think that's just going to tell you to wait so i think this is wait. like another so god they they break they this fucking four-year thing this, they will and they they break it out oh, price per week t- times four fuck you i know so it's like an extra 14 dollars 14, 14 bucks a month you get new york times cooking well, hey, the crossword. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. And a bonus subscription. So wait, why don't I cancel mine? You give me the bonus subscription, and I will give you Square Cash. I'll, 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 I'll buy you a Phil's gift card like every four weeks. <laughs> like, and this I doesn't wanna... explicitly say that you get the wire cutter, but I, I think, I think that's how it works. Not ready to subscribe? Tell us why, because you're fucking nickel and dimeing me. Yeah, I don't, I don't love, I don't really love this. And and uh, just on principle, I hate the four weeks thing. Because 52 yeah. divided by four, is, yeah, it allows them to, it's a very New York thing to do. It allows them to get an extra, a baker's a dozen out of you for what you feel like should only be 12 easy payments. Ugh. Yeah. Um, 
But I mean, hey, they also the nine free article thing that that also sort of I think I don't know eases the amount of outrage I have over this because I I don't know if I've ever accessed more than nine articles on the wire cutter in a given month before. So yeah, and again, like, and I'm sure we talked about it. Their recommendations are are too, um, and this actually, this is actually again, I, I know I uh, criticized him earlier this week or earlier in the show, but uh, Gruber does have a point where the wire cutter errs way too much on price um, versus quality. So I don't know. Sometimes I actually do end up looking at a lot of articles because they make the wrong um, compromises on um, what a little bit extra money gets you. Like the your 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 what you're looking at on their website should always be the upgrade pick, and I always wish that section was more fleshed out. But they gave a thumbs up to the LG fourteen nineteen L IVSM or whatever, so that's been worthwhile. All right, anything else? No, I think we're good for chef specials. All right, let me get the um. Obligatory Amazon link teed up for you here. Send this in the thing. So speaking of the wire cutter, um, this is not their pick in this particular product category. Hmm. Um, I I do have their pick, you but there's the there's an iPod shuffle, right? And hmm. it's 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 fairly pricey, which is why. When I was looking to get an additional air purifier for the home, I didn't necessarily want to get another one of those. Um, and and this one, which which I'll put in the notes, which is the how do you think you pronounce this? Lavot Le, Le, is the T silent? Maybe Lavoy. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, I like the second pronunciation better. <laughs> uh, their their Core three hundred um, air purifier. Um. It's $100, so very very reasonably priced. Also, unlike the um, wire cutter pick, um, which is the... What is, what's the wire cutter pick? The wire cutter the pick Koei is the... Like, the Koei Yeah. Um, is absolutely enormous. Um, this Lavoit or Lavoy, as you would say, <laughs> air purifier is... It's, it's very small. Very, very tiny. Um, so I've got, I've got one here in the office with me and it's, it's, it's really nice. And, you know, I, I wanted kind of, I kind of proactively bought a couple of additional air purifiers this year, just, you know, I fires and everything. Like so purifiers or like filter refills? Uh, no, so we, we, we now have four air purifiers in the home. Are any of them smart? No, I've got two of that Koei wire cutter pick one. And I've got two of, of these things. Hmm. I like in the uh, filter replacement page, they have a very, very happy golden and like this suffering child sneezing right behind it. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, the, the, the filter replacement in these things is also very reasonably priced and very easy to actually replace, which is also nice. This is oh deal alert the Air Mega 200M is 35% off. 
Um, which one do I... Oh, did mine get demoted? Because um, actually, this is a good point. Oh, no, mine is still the upgrade pick. Um, so the one I got... Let me remove Amazon's affiliate link. So when you put it in the show notes, they don't get anything. Um, yeah, I mean, with, with Fire Season right now, the, the combination of the LG air conditioner, which has an in, uh, inbuilt filter when on days when you just can't really have the windows open... Um, and the air air purifiers, that's been kind of like a vital necessity the past few years with um, with uh, in, living in Northern California. Uh, because I live in a cozy place, I have the Blue Air Pure 211 Plus, which I do not remember it being this expensive before. But this one is very, um, very pretty and very, 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 very quiet. But apparently very pricey. In the in the filter replacements are fifty bucks. How much are they on the uh, the Coway? They're they're really expensive. Um, and the the Coway air purifier is, itself is also pretty pricey, if I remember correctly. It's, it's like, like two hundred, two hundred, and then the filter replacements, which you do once a year. That's actually not quite as bad as I thought. It's like like thirty five bucks. Yeah, but yeah, but uh, what's the noise level? I mean, I've I've had this little Lavoit thing running in the background during this whole thing, and I haven't heard any comments. So <laughs> I think it's pretty quiet. Yeah. Uh, but does yours uh, does yours have changeable yoga pants? That's what Blue Bird <laughs> gets you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Neat. Um. I mean, the, 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 I guess the big thing that Coway has going for it is, um, I mean, in, in addition to supporting, you know, bigger rooms, it also can dynamically change its fan speed based on what it detects as being kind of the ambient um, air quality. Oh, whereas, really? Yeah. That's cool. Whereas this, yeah, it's, I don't know how accurate that is, but this little Lavoie thing, you know, you just, you just put it on a fan speed and it just stays there, so... But yeah, I, I, I like it. It's mostly because of how much smaller it is. And it's, you know, half the price. Neat. Um, for mine, I'm actually this is gonna be a combo less this not Okay, restart. Uh the what I'm gonna ask for you to put in the show notes is a link to an article that actually I found online earlier today. Uh but I guess my point or what I want people to go look at is a show that exists on uh KQED, uh Northern California's preferred public television station. Um there's a show called Check Please Bay Area and you you mentioned when I when I posted this that you have never actually seen this or maybe have never heard of it before today. Correct. So it's great. Like it it's it's not like public accessy. Like it it's actually like a pretty legit like good show. It has a really fun, cool host, uh, uh Leslie Sabraco. What's her name? Uh, asking the wrong person. Uh, yes, Leslie Sabraco. Um, she's super cool. Uh, great, great energy. Basically, the whole premise of the show, and this was adapted from a uh, public, um, a PBS show in I think the Chicagoland area. They bring on three regular people to talk about their favorite restaurants where they live. And these are generally not people being like, oh, yeah, go to state bird provisions or something like it's like they're they're talking about like actual real good restaurants. And then they take like a camera crew to go 
show the restaurant and it's just like really cool and good and not like not not pretentious and also not like it's got kind of like a sorry it doesn't have like a diners drive-ins and dives like vibe like she she is not guy fieri and she's generally not going to the restaurant herself either she's just hosting the conversation but in terms of just being a fun show that showcases restaurants in a particular area like it's very very good for that so like i don't know if you ever had like if it's on basically every day like weeknights i think at seven o'clock on uh channel eight or whatever kqed is these days um like it's 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 really cool I don't know. I like it a lot. And I don't know if it's, I'm like, I hope it's available. Not, not on streaming, but I'm sure it's available at kqed.org or whatever, but you should, you should, you should check it out. I found a couple of restaurants, um, pre pandemic, uh, based off recommendations for this that were pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think I'll check this out. 